Hey, welcome to episode 10 of the FitLife Formula podcast. My name is Brian Sippets. I'm the founder of Advantage Strength in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The FitLife Formula podcast is a show for the members of Advantage Strength and anybody else who's interested in uh, having fun, playing, and living an active life well into their later years. And uh, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the five foods that you should stop hating on because these are foods that over time I think have gotten a pretty bad rap for one reason or another. Uh, but I'm going to share five of them with you today that are, you know, maybe didn't quite deserve that, that bad rap. So before we get started with that, I'm going to uh, just sort of review or remind you what the Fit Life formula is. And when we talk about the Fit Life formula, we're talking about a way to live your life that's going to allow you to have fun, stay fit, stay strong, and, you know, these, these pieces of the FitLife formula sort of weave together to help you do that. So uh, the FitLife formula is three, two, one. Three days of something you enjoy, two days of strength training, and one day that just sucks and that is not fun for you to do, uh, a workout that uh, is uncomfortable for you. So the reason these, these play nicely together is because, you know, three days a week you're doing something you enjoy, so it's easy to look forward to that, easy to stay in the routine with that. The two days of strength training are going to help you uh, feel better and more confident in doing the things that you enjoy, so you have more fun doing them. And the one day that sucks is a nice challenge. It's a good way to challenge yourself. It's a good way to test your limits a little bit. And also, it has the added benefit of you know, helping you stay lean, helping you keep your muscle mass, and helping you be in better shape and um, more well-conditioned to do the things that you love to do. And so... A big part of this lifestyle is not just the physical part, but also the nutritional side. And, you know, this is a whole nother episode in and of itself, but it is pretty abysmal at how effective exercise is when it comes to fat loss. And so, you know, if you are considering, you know, maintaining your current eating habits, let's say your current eating habits have you in a place that's not exactly ideal for where you want to be. And, you know, maybe you've gained weight, maybe you're finding yourself, you know, gaining fat and not necessarily feeling strong. Um, I would look to nutrition first, right? So the, the lab experiments don't lie, and time after time again they find that, that diet is the leading cause of, you know, increased fat tissue, um, and, you know, weight creeping up on you. And so you can't have this fit lifestyle, you can't have this active lifestyle and maintain good body composition if your diet is not in check. If you're, and I, I say diet, but what I mean when I'm saying diet is your nutrition, the way you eat. And so we'll share more about exactly how to put a plate together and how to measure your food and all, I say measure your food. Don't don't measure your food. Um, we'll talk about this in a, in a whole other episode. But I just want to touch really quickly on how nutrition falls into you know our fit life. And for us, it's it's really simple. Unfortunately, there is no exact answer for everybody. There is no just follow the paleo diet or just follow the South Beach diet or just use Weight Watchers. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it's a little bit more dependent on the individual. But what we do follow is that things should be well-rounded, 
Okay, we're we're talking like right down the middle of the road, you know, moderate portion sizes. We want all the macronutrients. We're going to we're going to eat fat. We're going to eat uh, carbohydrates. We're going to eat protein. But it's just a matter of making good choices for those for those nutrients. And eat a varied diet so that you're getting all kinds of macronutrients, which are vitamins and minerals um, that are going to keep you healthy and keep the keep your body working well. And so we don't subscribe to any particular diet. It's not going to be extreme. And in terms of how much you should eat, really, instead of measuring food or weighing food, we're just going to kind of eyeball it. And for most people, we're going to use our hand as a measuring tool. And so if you think about your hand, your hand is, is scalable to your size. If you're a bigger person, or typically you're going to have bigger hands. So we use that as a measuring tool, and you know when you look at when you look at your palm, uh, and we talk about a serving of protein. For men, we're thinking uh, lean protein about the size of two of the palm of your hand. So like kind of the thickness and the size of the palm of your hand. So think of like for men, uh, maybe a like a chicken breast and a half or something would be the serving size of protein for each meal. We're also going to look at a fist size serving of uh, veggies. So think of your fist sitting on a plate, uh, like a clenched fist. That's the size. For guys, we want two of those. Uh, Ladies, it's going to be one. And then, let's see, so that's veggies. Oh, and then a cupped handful of a smart carbohydrate choice, like a uh, brown rice, wild rice, quinoa, um, some kind of grain typically, uh, or a starchy veggie, but we're talking like a, a cupped handful, two for guys, one for ladies, and then also a, a fat, right? So we're going to have fat in each meal about the size of your thumb. So think of uh, if your thumb were hollow and you filled it with olive oil, that would be like the size of a serving of fat that we would have with each meal. And so that's kind of like the basic, that's where we're coming from. And again, we'll do a whole other episode on this where we get more into detail about why it is this way. Um, But when we talk about nutrition, this is what we're talking about. And this is the kind of nutrition that's going to go along with the Fit Life formula. Again, we're not talking about putting handcuffs on your life. We're talking about doing things that you enjoy, doing things that are sustainable so that you can maintain this healthy, healthy lifestyle and this active lifestyle well into your later years. So now that we've got the basics there, uh, let's talk about the five foods that you should stop hating on. And again, like I said, these are foods that have gotten a bad rap for for some reason. Like these are things that are either gross or you shouldn't eat them or they're bad for you or whatever it is over the last few years or over the last few decades, I guess, in a lot of cases. Um, But let's start off with, we're going to start with, this one's very broad. Again, this could be its own episode, but uh, like I mentioned before, we're going to have a thumb-sized uh, serving of fat with every meal. So fat is the first food group that you're going to stop hating on. All right, fat is uh, makes up a majority of your brain. It gives your cells, the cells in your body, structure. It um, also lines your nervous system. So you know, faster reaction times, more um, efficient communication between your brain and your body. And so all of those things depend on healthy fats to maintain working order. And so when we talk about healthy fats, there are there's three different kinds of fats. There's uh, saturated, unsaturated, and polyunsaturated, monounsaturated, and, and polyunsaturated. 
not going to get too much into the the split of those, how much of each and what foods you know are good for each of those um, different kinds of fats. But what we're going to talk about is just kind of like healthy fats. What are healthy fats? Um, and I think generally the fats are the healthy fats are the ones you're going to find in real actual food. And so that's you know nuts, avocados, uh, oils like pressed oils from olives and from uh, nuts and from uh, you know, there's even avocado oil and peanut oil in <clears throat> moderation, that kind of thing. So we're talking about oils that come from actual foods. The ones we're going to try to avoid are uh, vegetable oils. You know, you'll see it as canola oil. Uh, a vegetable oil is sort of a mix of canola oil, safflower oil, all those sort of a little bit of uh, sketchy fats, I guess. But um, <clears throat> What we're looking for is more of the fat along the lines, like the healthier, the healthier fats. And those are the ones that I'm talking about. I'm not saying you should uh, eat a pound of butter with every meal, but it can be something that you can include in your diet and feel good about because it's something that's going to help your body. It's going to help your cells. It's going to help your brain. It's going to help your nervous system. Uh, and on top of all that, fat is what helps you feel satiated. It's what helps you feel full at, during a meal or at the end of a meal. So... <clears throat> Feel free to to load up on fat. The other the other bright side of this, I guess, is that the, the, just because you consume fat doesn't mean you're going to get fat. It's not a literal translation between you know you you have this dietary fat and then if it doesn't burn or if you don't burn it, then it turns into like the fat that stays on your belly. So uh, it's not exactly that simple, and, and it doesn't exactly work that way. So uh, feel free to to have a, appropriate serving sizes of healthy fat and, um, and you're all good. So that's the number one food that you can kind of take off the naughty list, I guess. The second one is sort of along those lines, but got a bad name for a, a little bit of a different reason, uh, and that's eggs. Eggs got a bad rap uh, a couple decades ago because of the whole cholesterol scare. Well, it turns out cholesterol isn't quite as evil as scientists made it out to be. It's not that, uh, not that harmful, and it doesn't, again, just like fat, doesn't translate exactly to when you eat cholesterol, it does not just pile up in your system and turn into the cholesterol in your blood. So eggs got a bad rap because they're high in cholesterol. They're, they're also high in fat, which we know now is just fine. Um, so now they have egg whites and egg substitutes and all these things. The reality is that the substitutes, the egg whites, are probably worse than an actual eating an actual egg. You'll find in all of these nutrition talks, we're going to talk a lot about whole food, actual food, properly raised food. Um, so when I talk about eggs here, I'm talking about you know pastured pastured eggs or at least organic at the very you know at the very minimum. And we'll talk. That could be another episode. There, we'll talk about the difference between you know, organic and standard and pastured and all those things, just to clear all that up. But just for right now, in the supermarket, we should be looking for at least organic eggs and possibly pastured if you can. Um, the, the difference is incredible. If you were to take a conventional, you know, the ones that come in the 18-pack in the styrofoam, in the, in the styrofoam egg crate, and if you were to crack one of those open, put them in a pan next to a, a pastured, egg, one that's, you know, properly, with properly raised chickens, um, you know, that peck the ground and 
eat not a vegetarian diet. Pig, uh, chickens are not vegetarians. Chickens eat everything. So chickens that were allowed to peck and feed on bugs and all that kind of stuff. The difference in the yolk is incredible. And you'll find this nice golden colored yolk in the pastured eggs while the the standard egg almost looks, you know, kind of yellowy and anemic and just kind of gross. So eggs can also come off the naughty list because, um, again, the cholesterol thing is not as big a deal as once thought. There's also, you know, a lot of good in eating actual real food rather than, uh, you know, something that's processed to be like food, like, like egg whites that you pour out of a carton or egg substitutes, um, that have all these health claims and those health claims never live up to the real things. Just keep that in mind. The next one, uh, that we'll talk about here, the next food that has gotten a bad rap, uh, that we can probably reinvestigate is sardines and stick with me here. Uh, because I think sardines are like, I don't know, for a long time, they've just been sort of this food that got cast as the gross, uh, step cousin to tuna or when it comes down to it tuna and sardines are a lot alike in terms of like of course they're gonna have a fishy taste it's fish sardines I think got a bad rap too because a lot of times they came with the head and the skin on it and people thought that was gross and but now there's plenty of options out there even at Costco they have sustainably caught um, you know responsible wild sardines that were caught and packaged they don't have skin on them they are packed in oil, but uh, they don't have skin. They don't have head, a head on them. And honestly, there's days where if I'm out of lunch ideas, I'll just grab a uh, tin of sardines and eat them as a snack in my office. And that's, number one, it's uh, obviously big on protein because it's a, it's a fish. It's an animal meat. And also sardines are a great source of good, healthy fat. It's a really oily fish. It's also uh, usually they're packed in olive oil. Um, so you're getting, not only are you getting a, a serving of protein, you're also getting a, a good serving of, of healthy fats. So sardines, I think it's time to give them another shot and it might be a tough sell for the kids, but you know, uh, an idea might be, even if you, I don't know, make pasta or something, you can flake some sardines in there. Nobody would ever know. Uh, they might just think it's like flaked tuna or something like that, but it is a great way to uh, get a healthy fat and a protein all in one meal. And it's super easy. These are, you can always have them around. And just because of that convenience factor, um, it, it is a great thing to have. I think take it off the, take it off the naughty list and keep them in your cupboard in case of emergency. The fourth one we'll talk about is sauerkraut. And uh, sauerkraut is, I guess, an acquired taste. And it, it's, it, I think I found that if you either love it or you hate it, uh, but sauerkraut, there's some interesting things going on there. The process of fermentation or lacto-fermentation that goes along with fermented vegetables like sauerkraut or kimchi or, I mean, you can pickle pretty much anything, carrots, uh, obviously cucumbers you can pickle. Anything that's done with that lacto-fermentation, like uh, uh, with just salt and water being the two ingredients, those are going to be super beneficial because with the lacto-fermentation come a a whole host of beneficial bacteria. And so this bacteria goes to work in your gut. And if you haven't, if you haven't explored this, there's some incredible information out, out there about the gut and how, you know, the gut flora is almost an organ in and of itself and leads to a lot of changes in your body. So if your gut flora isn't healthy, there's a really good chance that your body isn't going to be healthy as well. So 
anything we can do to, you know, add to beneficial gut biome, I guess, we're going to do that. I'm going to do that personally. Uh, so sauerkraut's one of those ways, eating fermented vegetables. Really, we, we could throw any fermented vegetable in there. And I think people hear fermented and they think like this steaming mass of piled up veggies and grossness. But really, um, especially if you're in the Ann Arbor area here, I would check out anything from the brinery and that will change your mind. You can buy it at any upscale store. Um, you know, you just find the jars from the brinery. There's, there's kimchi. There's like a hot, uh, a hot carrot that's a sort of a Korean side dish. It's got uh, like jalapenos and carrots. And uh, there's also, you know, standard sauerkraut. There's purple sauerkraut. All this kind of fun stuff. And I would say if you're at all averse to this, you should tr- check out anything from the brinery and that'll change your mind in a hurry. Uh, it's crunchy. It's really fresh. And it's, it's just really well done. And I think being able to add real probiotics, real beneficial bacteria into your gut is, is a huge thing right now for most people. So check it out. Even if you try it again and you still don't like it, that's okay. I think it's worth another, I think it's worth another shot. And one thing to note is, you know, a lot of times there's sauerkraut that comes in like the, um, like the plastic, uh, thing. It's usually around Easter, you know, the, the plastic, uh, bag that's filled with air and it's kind of like this firm package of, of sauerkraut. That's not a good place to start. Go find some, some good stuff. There's even like big tubs of kimchi at, um, Costco now. So find the fresh stuff, um, and find out what, what sauerkraut or what fermented vegetables really are again, and sort of explore that because it can be a game changer when it comes to your health, your gut health, um, and your overall intake of veggies. It's a, it's a veggie you can have on hand all the time uh, and just have it in your fridge. And like I said, with the sardines in case of emergency, And speaking of vegetables that you can have on hand all the time, uh, the fifth one, the fifth food to stop hating on, uh, would be frozen veggies as a, as a food group or as a whole, I guess. When, uh, I don't know when frozen veggies would have gotten a bad rap, but somehow they got sort of like a, a second class citizen label. Uh, And I'm not sure why, because I get that, you know, fresh veggies are usually best, but when you think of kind of how the food system works, a lot of times frozen veggies are going to be a better option for you even than fresh veggies. So think about, um, think about red peppers or let's say tomatoes that come from California or from Mexico, let's say. The, the transit time on those is about a week to a week and a half. And so they end up having to pick the tomatoes when they're on the vine, when they're green, when they're not ripe, they're not ready, their nutritional profiles are not fully developed, um, and they're, they're not ready to go nutritionally. You're not going to get the most, the, the biggest punch out of that. And so they have to pick them early because otherwise they'd spoil in transit. So now they've, they transport them, they get them here to the U.S., they actually ripen them with ethylene gas. So they, they put the tomatoes through a, basically a, a conveyor belt that goes through a gas chamber, and the ethylene gas is what turns them red from green. And so they appear ripe. And I know there's a lot of times where you cut into a tomato and doesn't exactly resemble what you think of as a tomato. Uh, you know, there's really no seeds or squish to them. It's mostly that, that dense hard stuff on the inside. 
Well, that's because that hasn't had time to develop yet. That's a, that's a tomato that's not quite ripe. And so nutritionally, it's not going to give you, it's not going to give up very much because if you think about a plant is going to keep its nutrition uh, stored up and, and ready to use for itself so that it can ripen. And then once it's ripened, it makes itself available to other animals to eat or other, you know, whatever is going to pollinate this thing. So now you've got a, t- a tomato that is, you know, two weeks away from ripening and is ripened with gas. And now it's sitting there on the, sh- on the supermarket shelf and you think, well, fresh food, that's great. But um, when you think of something like a frozen, even like a frozen vegetable mix, like, uh, I don't know, peas and carrots, let's say. Well, when you have frozen veggies, a lot of times they are, they're picked when they're actually ripe and they're actually ready to go. Nutritionally, they're, they're fully mature, let's say. And they're frozen right there on site. And that's the best way for them to transport them because there's no uh, chance for them to spoil. So you have uh, fully ripened vegetables that are, you know, picked right there and frozen right there, which freezes all the nutritional content. And now you've got this super convenient package in your freezer that's there uh, in case of emergency. So if you find yourself without fresh veggies one night, always have some frozen veggies on hand because I think you know, it, it's time to turn around the way we think about them um, and stop seeing them as second-class citizens because a lot of times those are going to be more nutritious than what you can get in the store. And so when you put that together with the convenience factor, I think frozen veggies uh, for, for us today are the, the uh, final food that you should stop hating on and uh, hopefully get that back into rotation in your diet. So I hope this uh, helps you to sort of branch out and kind of take a look at these foods again. I know a lot of them are not for everybody, especially probably the sardines and uh, the sauerkraut are, I guess they're kind of out there, but if there's ever a time to try them again, I think this is it. So hopefully you've you've taken some stuff home here and taken a, a couple notes and you're willing to branch out and try these things again, make them a part of your fit life. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this today. And uh, if you've enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Also, uh, please leave us a rating and a review. That's going to help other people kind of know what the show is about and how it's going to help them as well. We'll talk to you next week on the Fit Life Formula podcast. Until next time, my name is Brian Sippets. Make sure you're getting three days a week of something you love, two days a week of strength training, and one workout that just sucks. That's the Fit Life Formula. I hope you're having an awesome week so far. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.